Hey guys, it's Maggie. And Kayla. And we're just popping in for the episode for uh, some exciting news. Our Patreon has officially launched. So if you're a fan, or even if you're not, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash mysteryteaminc. Check out some of the cool goodies we have for you. Donate, become part of the mystery team. We had a lot of fun coming up with the goodies. We so. did. <laughs> so go, go check them out uh, and enjoy the episode. Bye. We're in. We're in. Welcome to Mystery Team Inc. Welcome. Uh, I'm Maggie. Mm-hmm. Do you Do you want to <laughs> say You want to say who you are? Mm-mm. Okay. Blah. <gasps> oh no! You tricked me. I, <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> welcome. Uh, shall we ceremonially crack the beers? Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, we're sorry. I was about to say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't. Again. If you spill more michelada on my floor. I just want you to know that I saved it at great personal expense. <laughs> Good. I just drank so much foam. Yeah, that's so the kind of sacrifice I expect. Yeah, that's fair. Oh. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, so, do you have any business? Should we just go right in? Because I am really excited about mystery. I have no business being here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like I should say this because we maybe never said this this is a podcast where we tell each other stories and they're mysteries they're unsolved and sometimes we make attempts to solve them futile attempts but we make them anyway and we've never heard someone asked us Maggie asked us before we recorded we've actually we've never heard each other's stories Mm -mm. we don't know what they are Mm -mm. it's all a real surprise uh, except for one time you drunkenly told me the story. That's true. Uh, except for that one time, uh, the game's made up and the points don't matter. All right. <laughs> Can we take that? Are we allowed to say that? Uh, I don't know. That has, did Drew Carey copyright that? You don't know what Drew Carey does? I don't know what he's capable of. Oh. Probably not. Yeah. I, we're probably fine. <laughs> Uh, if one of the three people that listens to this in Sweden rats us out, we know where to fucking go. Sweden. Yeah. We have time. <laughs> we'll search. Yeah. A mystery. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I'm going to go first. Even yeah. though I think it's a... Is it an even-numbered episode? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? It's eight. Eight was Monster Prom. Oh. It's nine. It's nine, but I'm going first for uh, thematic reasons, I mm-hmm. think. Okay. That's fine. And I need my um, bourbon coffee to digest. That's what I meant by thematic, but... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was trying not to sell you out. Oh, um, I have no filter and I'm an oversharer, so... <laughs> I'm in a depressive episode and, and I'm trying to wait for my bourbon coffee to kick in so that I have the drive to do anything at all. <laughs> and the alcohol to do everything at all. Mm-hmm. Great. So... Uh, this is the mystery. I didn't give it a title, and now I feel terrible. Yeah, that's like your one thing. Because that's my whole thing, the one thing that I care about. Um, I guess you would just call it the murder of Harry Oaks. But I feel like that's not that interesting. Yet. Yet. (laughs) Harry Oaks. Adventurer. Gold prospector. Philanthropist. Oh, God, I thought you were going to say gold digger. No. Okay, sorry, go back. 
Harry Oakes, adventurer, gold prospector, philanthropist, British baronet, and one of the wealthiest men of his time. Was born in 1874 in Sangerville, Maine. He was one of five children. Sidebar, I just realized it reminded me of, like, when someone's on The Bachelor and it says, like, <laughs> Maggie Stabile, adventurer. And, and that, that guy is a former, former child. child. <laughs> this guy could go on The Bachelorette and win tomorrow. Um... He was born in 1874 in Maine. With, he was one of five children. He graduated from Foxcroft Academy and went to Bowdoin College. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent two years at Syracuse University uh, in medical school. I read in one account that he spent did extensive studies on frostbite damage. Cute. Uh, at 22, he heard that they struck gold in the Klondike, so he left medical school for Alaska to pursue a career as a prospector. Ugh. Haven't you heard the ballad of Clementine? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was like 18, whatever, uh, 18, let's math, 96 at that point. So this is the time. Um, okay. This is a quote. The Klondike during the gold rush was the last bastion of the Wild West. Crime was common, and gangsters such as Soapy Smith, the notorious <laughs> king of the Klondike, ruled. I'm so sorry. Hold on. <laughs> I've got a picture for you, because I knew you would care. Of Soapy Smith? Yeah, this is Soapy Smith. If you're going to... I'll tell you why his name is Soapy. Okay, great. That's what I want to know. So he was, like, an infamous Wild West-style con man, and one of his big schemes that he ran was, like, a soap... He was, like a like, a snake oil salesman, but with soap. So he was... So people started calling him Soapy. He but didn't get to pick I don't understand how you can run a snake oil type scheme with soap. I'll tell you. Because soap is soap. I pulled this all up. Uh, I'm so glad you anticipate my needle. His questions. most famous scam, the prize package soap cell racket. What he would do was he would pull out his wallet and start wrapping paper money ranging from $1 up to $100 around a few of the bars. And then he would finish each bar by wrapping plain paper around it to hide the money. He appeared to mix the money-wrapped packages of the soap in with the regular-wrapped ones, and then he would sell the soap for a dollar each. So everyone thought that they were basically, like, entering a raffle. Oh, so because yeah, Because they all <laughs> thought that, like, there was a golden ticket in one of the soaps. Oh, God. Or, like, several of the soaps. That's hilarious. But he was actually just pocketing... The, the ones with the... That's brilliant. I thought he was selling, like, shitty it soap. It gets better because he had a plant in the audience who would unwrap a bar and be like, I won! <gasps> and pull out the money. Yeah. What a genius. Um, okay, I'm so on board with Soapy. So then, yeah, he sold a bunch of shit, a bunch of soap. That was one of And his. also, he was selling soap. Everybody needed soap. Yeah. Oh, Soapy, you're my hero. Yeah. Um, and that was just, like, one of his... Cr- like, he was a con man that, like, across the states. Like, everyone knew him. He eventually died in a shootout in Juneau, and his last words were, Oh, God, don't shoot. Can I say something controversial? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a crush on him. I know. You, I knew you would. <laughs> you always do. Well, if you want to learn more about Soapy, I should do a mini set about Soapy Smith, because he's actually a fascinating character. I would love that. I wish I had time, more time to get into him, to get into his story. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> get into his story, but I, this is so long already. Okay. Um, we'll do a Soapy Smith and then I'll find some kind of snake oil salesman. Do it. That'd be a great mini-sode. <gasps> Can I do like one of, like a, what do they call those people that preach miracles, but they just plant yeah. people? Dr. Phil. 
No, but an old timey one, like um, like a like a preacher that cures. He like that like goes around and is like this pile of shit's cancer, but it's really just yeah. a pile of shit. Jim yeah. Jones. Yeah, like but early yeah, Jones. Those, but yeah, what what are, what are they called? There, there's like a name for them. The preachers that do that. Assholes. Right. Yeah. So, Harry Oaks, our hero, as you'll recall, he went to Alaska or yeah, Alaska to mine for gold. <laughs> That's what he would do for a Klondike bar. Yes. So, Harry Oaks did not strike gold in the Klondike, so he spent the next decade prospecting in California, Central America, Australia, New Zealand, Africa, and finally, Northern Ontario, Canada. Sir, if you don't just give up on gold. In 1912, he discovered a massive seam of gold beneath Kirkland (gasps) Lake. The strike would prove to be the richest in Canada and the second richest in the Western Hemisphere, making Harry one of the wealthiest men in the world. Kids, don't give up on your dreams. (laughs) Kids don't give up on gold. <laughs> that quick backtrack. But don't sell to cash for gold. It's a scam. Mm-mm. Uh, his lakeshore mines ultimately net him $60,000 a day in 1912 money. Listen, I would take $60,000 a day in 2018 now, money. Now that's $720,000 a day. Like, I'll settle for sixty. In 1923, he met his future wife, Eunice McIntyre, a oh. tall Australian woman who was 25 years younger than he was. Hello, I'm Eunice. <laughs> Did you find gold? <laughs> She's a literal gold digger. No, they got married. They had five children together. You so, want to have a baby because we have so much gold. Five years after he <laughs> married her or met her uh, in 1928, he moved the family to Niagara Falls and became a Canadian citizen. He built a 35-room mansion, created a private golf course, and purchased one of the most extraordinary cars of his time, this is a quote, with its 12-cylinder engine and red leather seats, the hand-built 1928 Hispano Suiza H6B Sedanca DeVille was large, elegant, and powered with the same engines used by World War I French fighter planes. I really like the name Sedanca. Yeah. Harry was generous with his wealth. He rewarded all the people who had helped him along the way. He donated to charities and gave millions of dollars to public works projects. That's the way to do it. But in 1935, he left Canada because he resented how much he was paying in taxes, which I was like, come on. But he was paying 17 grand a day. A day? A day. In 1920s money. So he was like, fuck all the taxes. I already donated so much to fixing the potholes. So he moved his family to Nassau in the Bahamas. He was invited to the British colony by Sir Harold Christie, a prominent Bahamian real estate developer and legislator who became a close business associate and friend. Let us never forget throughout this whole story that his wife was named Eunice and she was Australian. Yes. Copy. Great. In those days, this is another quote. In those days, Nassau was a quiet backwater capital of the British colony and a bastion for well-heeled whites in a place where abject poverty existed along fabu- alongside fabulous wealth. Uh, when he first got there, like he did in Niagara Falls, he set about improving conditions on the island for both its native poor and its privileged whites. He built an airbase, a polo field, a country club, and a golf course. I'm sorry, he built a polo field for the for the black people (laughs) he also purchased and improved the local hotel he added a wing to the hospital he provided public transportation he employed over a thousand locals he initiated programs to address the poverty in which many of the islanders were living Hmm. for his largesse the crown awarded him a baronetcy i think that's how you would say it because it's baronet whereupon he became sir harry oaks that's fair. He was described as gruff, unpleasant, and a pit bull of a man, oh. but he was also a very giving and generous person. Um, a lot of people kind of say that he was like, 
Well, this is a quote. He didn't suffer fools or flatterers, nor did he believe in mincing words. And while he made many friends through his charitable works, he was just as much a genius at making enemies. Um, they say that, like, he was very, like, straightforward. So people, like, saw him as gruff, but he was, like, ultimately, like, a really generous person. And like, He also went to, like, nine different places mining for gold. That was a point that I was going to make. So he grew up, like, in, like, not a super well-to-do family, but his his dad was a lawyer, so he had enough money to go to, like, private school and... He came up in money, but he grew up on the East Coast, and then he went and traveled the world mining for gold himself, personally, in his, like, boots. And his little Levi's. And his pan and his Levi's. Like, he was, like, he had to be, and he grew up, uh, not grew up, but, like, spent all that time in, in basically the last bastion of the Wild West with fucking Soapy Smith <laughs> running around. So he had to be, like, you know. My boy. Um, Yeah, he was a badass. His is, son in oh. Is this story going to make me turn against him? Like, should I not be singing uh-uh. his praises right now? No. Okay, great. Yeah, he was a badass. His son-in-law, Count Alfred Freddy <laughs> de, de Marigny, I think they say it, referred to Sir Harry, and this guy comes back, as eccentric and complicated, crude and ill-tempered, adding, he, Oaks would never look like anyone's idea of a multimillionaire. He looked like a union boss or a butcher. He bought a title from the British crown, but he did not find nobility. Yeah, because he made his millions by digging. Right. Good for you, sir. So, July 7th, 1943. Eunice and the children went up to Maine to stay at the Willows, which was their summer estate in Bar Harbor, while Sir Harry was finishing up some business at their manor, Westburn, in the Bahamas. His close friend, Harold Christie, who you'll remember was the person that invited him to move to the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. I did not remember, but thank you for... (laughs) That's why I said that. An island investor and would-be real estate mogul, who had been a bootlegger and a rum runner during Prohibition, Mm. was staying... That comes back. Was staying at Westburn overnight in in, uh, Harry Oaks' mansion. That night, a tropical storm hit the Bahamas, and winds raged as rain pummeled the islands. The next morning, Harold Christie went to Sir Harry's room to wake him for breakfast and made a gruesome discovery. Harry lay in his bed. His body had been doused in gasoline and set alight, but the wind and rain coming in from the open window had put out the flames before he was entirely consumed. His face and body were badly burned, and he was haphazardly covered with feathers from a pillow. His face was bloody, and near his left ear were four puncture wounds, which reportedly fractured his skull. However, the blood, the blood had run up his face rather than down onto the sheets, indicating that he had not been killed in bed. A partially burned, lacquered Chinese screen near the bed was covered in blood and smudged handprints. A set of muddy footprints trailed into the room from the front door. So. What? Yeah. Murdered. Okay, will you, we can cut this out, but will you go back and reread all that? Yeah. And turn that off. Also, I, um, I was trying, so I, I I'm going to include this. I tried really hard to find, like, to fact check everything and find, like, a consensus on the crime scene, but mm-hmm. none of the for- sources that I looked at agreed with each other. Like, they said different things, but this is, like, the stuff that I fact checked the, for the most part that I could ascertain was definitely part of the crime scene his body had been doused in gasoline and set alight some accounts say it was bug spray that was used as a um what's an accelerant Mm -hmm. um and that his body had not been completely burned 
and they think it's because it was the windows were open and it, it was raining and winding. Um, his body and face were badly burned. He was haphazardly covered with feathers from a pillow. Every account says that. His face was bloody, and near his left ear were four puncture wounds, which reportedly fractured his skull. Do we know what configuration? No. We also don't know what the instrument was. We don't know if it was a sharp object, if it was a blunt object. So, most accounts said it was a sharp object. I'm so curious if it's, like, were... four that went in at the same time, or, like... There's another account later that says that it's bullets. How big were they? Small. I know. Um, I can already tell this is going to make me make mad. mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do know that there was a partially burned, lacquered Chinese screen near the bed that was covered in blood and smudged handprints, and then, debatable about whether or not this is true, set of muddy footprints trailed okay. into the room from the front door. Copy. The Bahamas governor, the Duke of Windsor, and formerly King Edward VIII of the United Kingdom who had become a close friend of Oaks because, uh, so I read that he evidently moved to the Bahamas after he had abdicated the throne and they kind of were like, get the fuck out. And so he was like, great, I'm going to the Bahamas, bye. (laughs) That's what I would do. (laughs) And because the Bahamas is a British colony. So he had like some, you know, he was still the Duke of Windsor. Um, he was, he had become a close friend of Oaks and he took over the investigation from the get go. He didn't believe that the local authorities were like, poised to handle the investigation, and so he took over. Rightfully so? I don't know. But it brings into question a couple of things. One, is it like, was it because he was his friend? Or was, or was it, it because he had he something to hide? Something up. Yeah, that's why I asked. So, he tried to enforce press censorship right away, but he failed because the chief newspaper's publisher was also a friend of Oaks, and he ensured that there was, like, constant coverage. Although a lot of stuff took a long time to get out, he always got it out. Um... The Duke of Windsor, formerly King Edward, believed uh, that the local police were not capable of performing the investigation, and so he attempted to bring in people. Uh, he tra- attempted to bring in Scotland Yard, but it was World War Two, and yeah. so they were like, "Sorry, no, we're not." Sorry, we have supplying you so much other stuff right. to do. <laughs> um, He's like, "My friend got murdered in yeah. a hotel in the Bahamas," and they're like, "In a mansion." There's Nazis. Yeah, don't worry. There's more Nazis later. Yes. Um, so, and they were like, no. So, King Edward brought in two detectives from Miami. <laughs> Captains Melchin and Barker. Listen, I laughed when I read that, too. I was like, really? They brought in Miami Vice because they couldn't get Scotland Yard? <laughs> that is Such not the next No. Uh, but apparently one of these captains, they were police captains, and apparently one of them had been security for King Edward when he had been in Miami. So they were friends. Okay. Another red flag. Nepotism. Or another red flag. Was he bringing in the best of the best that he knew personally, or was he bringing in someone that would fucking cover shit up for him? Ugh. We'll find out. Do we find out? For to sure. To an extent. Oh, God. I'm already frustrated. This is another quote. <laughs> what ensued was one of the most disastrous and incompetent police investigations <laughs> known to date. Uh, and as you'll see, the investigation was totally botched. Just so you know, Oak's autopsy was so badly mishandled that the plane carrying his body had to be recalled in midair for new photographs to be taken. Guys. This section is titled, Who Done It? <laughs> Did you spell it D-U-N-N-I-T? You tell me. Oh, you did. <laughs> oh, you're my best friend. I know. And I'm yours. Oh. <laughs> and you're mine. Well. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> so the instant consensus 
was that he had been murdered by his son-in-law. Why? Who I mentioned earlier, Alfred de Marigny. Mm-hmm. He was, he had eloped with Oaks' daughter, Nancy, when she was eight, three days after she turned 18. Ooh. They had been dating for a couple of years, though, prior. How old was he? I don't know. Uh, but he was, like, probably, like, 10 to 15 years older. He was definitely older. We don't know how old. Okay, reserving judgment. Uh, he had been married twice before to wealthy women for short periods of time. Ooh. Did they all die? He was, no. But he was not, uh, no. But he was said to be a playboy. And he did not ask for Nancy's parents' approval. And so uh, it was said that um, that Freddie and Harry were said to, like, they quarreled a lot. So he was an immediate suspect. Um, because he also, because if, if Harry died, Nancy also stood to inherit a shit ton of money. Obviously. Because that's how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel so, like you were waiting for me to not know how inheritance No, I was works. expecting you to, like, make another point, but it's Oh, like, no, I never have a point to make. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, so during the night of the murder, uh, Freddie had been having a dinner party at his own house, and he had driven a guest home, some accounts said multiple guests home, late at night. Um, but there was an inconvenient 30-minute hole in his alibi. Inconvenient for whom? For him. Oh, okay. Like, it was very convenient that there was 30 minutes missing, that he had witnesses around him all night. Oh, so a convenient 30 minutes where he was like, oh. Right. Okay, got it. Because, you know, like, he had a dinner party, he had people around him all night, he offered to drive them home, which sounds like you're building an alibi, Mm -hmm. and then a 30 minutes where he wasn't accounted for. Or did you just, like, stop for a second and smoke a J? Do a line. (laughs) It's the Bahamas. It's 1920-whatever. <laughs> Pura vida. That's Costa Rica. Uh, he was immediately arrested and taken into questioning. Um, during his interrogation, he was offered a glass of water and an unopened pack of Lucky Strikes, because it's the 20s. And then... That's so on the nose, you guys. Unexpectedly, the Duke of Windsor arrived at the interrogation... He had an unwitnessed 20-minute conversation with the two detectives, and he left. And two hours later, Freddie was formally charged with the murder of Harry Oaks. <gasps> he was committed for trial, and a rope was ordered for his hanging. No, you can't. Guys. Listen, the prison budget, we can't. You gotta approve. We gotta use all. an old rope. <laughs> you gotta approve all of your orders. <laughs> Even if you're using Prime. Through me. We have a lot of rope. <laughs> Laying around. We're a fishing town. Everybody has rope over there. Okay, anyway. So Nancy, his wife, came to the Bahamas and hired a private detective and proclaimed her husband's innocence from start to finish. Never faltered that she believed him. Was she, was she there the whole time? She was not in the Bahamas. So then how does she motherfucking know? She just trusts him. <sighs> Hun. The trial. Sis. <laughs> so, I wish that... Uh, okay, I have to say again, there's so much information I'm leaving out because it was really hard to fact-check everything, and it's... Like, there's so many different accounts and so much information that kind of gets thrown out there that's, like, totally unsta- unsubstantiated. I don't know how much of this is, like, fact-checked, uh, basically. But I've kind of cobbled together the stuff that I saw that, like, was the most... Like, that appeared in multiple sources. So, 
forgive me. Um, Never. The trial. <laughs> Harold Christie, who had been staying at the manor that night, close friend and associate, uh, claimed that he heard nothing that night. Um, they apparent he had a, like he and Harry apparently had, had had a soiree that night, but all the guests had gone home at eleven. It was believed that uh, Harry was murdered between two and five a.m. Christie claimed that he heard. He, nothing, he didn't hear anything weird that night. He claimed that he was awoken by the storm outside at one point, but claimed that he didn't hear anything out of the norm. The defense believed that Christie was holding back information, and they questioned why he parked his car quite some distance from Oaks's house. It was also noted that Christie had been seen by a Bahamas police officer riding in a station truck around midnight. A station truck? Uh-huh. That means, what's a station truck? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I should have Like a police to... station truck known. or like a station wagon and they don't know what a truck is? I can't find, at first glance, any indication on the internet of what that means. Okay, I'm going to see if I can get my anxiety brain to ignore it. Okay. Uh, another witness, a night watchman who had mysteriously drowned before the trial... Kayla just like rolled her eyes. <laughs> Alleged that he had seen Christie and another man hanging around an unfamiliar boat docked in Nassau's harbor the night before the murder. But <clears throat> the chief piece of evidence in the trial of Freddie de Marigny was a fingerprint belonging to Marigny, which Captain Barker claimed had been found on a Chinese screen in Oak's bedroom where the body had been found. This the is one a with quote. The- Handprints? Yeah. Okay. This is a quote. Very detailed and thorough cross-examination at the trial several months later by de Marigny's lawyer showed that Barker had not in fact positively identified the single fingerprint as belonging to de Marigny until several days later than he had originally claimed, after he had returned to Miami, and that Barker had taken several dozen other fingerprints from Oaks's bedroom, many of which were still unprocessed weeks later. An American fingerprint expert witness testifying for the defense called into question the professionalism of the techniques used by Captain Barker in the investigation. The expert testified that the de Marigny fingerprint very likely could not have come from the Chinese screen since none of the background pattern designed from the screen appeared on the de Marigny print photograph, although other uh, other photos of fingerprints lifted from the screen showed this pattern. Later, it was discovered that the print had been lifted either from the cigarette film or the water glass that de Marigny had been given during his questioning by the Miami police captains, and Freddie had been framed. Mm-hmm. By so what's good? his name? The right? Duke of Windsor? The Duke of Windsor, who, like, had a conversation, right? Let's find out. Okay. Hold on. I have to be so bad. Go. I'm going to use that in our intro forever. Great. Okay, we're back. Um, So, do-do-do. Okay. Yeah, so Freddie had been framed. He was subsequently subsequently acquitted. So, who done it? Suspects. Several prominent people living on the island. Hold on. What happened to his convenient half hour? Nothing. Which is going to be the name of my sex tape. (laughs) (laughs) A convenient half hour. That's great. Okay. Um, Nothing. We don't know. 
They were all just drunk. Okay. Right. Um, basically, the point was they couldn't prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that he killed him because he probably didn't. So he got acquitted. Okay. Uh, burden of proof. So, several prominent people living on the island or connected to Sir Harry Oaks in some way all appear to have motives. The first one is someone we have not heard of before. Uh, his name is... Uh, I don't know what his first name is. He's always just referred to as Wenergren, or I'm sure it's Venergren. Uh, he lived on the island with his American wife. He had the largest yacht in the world. He was an astute and wily businessman. That is not a cool thing. <laughs> he was like, a, he made a fortune selling light bulbs. But, and so he was like a multi-millionaire, like living with his wife in the Bahamas. But can you imagine if someone came up to you and was like, I have the largest yacht in the world. How quickly would you kick them in the nuts? Double quickly, because this man was known to be a close friend of Herman Goring. And a close friend of other, several other high-ranking Nazis. This is where the Nazis come in. Yeah. Okay. So one theory is that maybe Gren killed or had him killed because he had unearthed secrets about him relating to the fact that he may have been a spy for the Germans. Ooh. Because keep in mind, uh, he was, uh, Harry was buddies with Duke of Windsor, super tied to like British land, and they, this is during World War II. Copy. So once again, my mystery comes down to was it Nazi spies? <laughs> Listen, don't most. Harold, yeah. Harold Christie. He apparently owed Harry Oakes $2 million. And Oakes had The called, one who invited him to live there. Who was there the night of the murder. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He had apparently called, Harold had, or um, Harry had called on Harold to return the loan to him because I guess he was planning on moving away from the Bahamas moving to Mexico, so he asked him to repay the money. Mm -hmm. um, Fair. Keep in mind that Chrissy's car was parked very far away from the house on the night of the murder, and so some people think that he killed uh, Harry so that he wouldn't have to repay his debt, and then tried to burn the burn it to, to conceal the murder, and went to his car, <laughs> and then it the house never burned down. <laughs> And so he panicked and came back and just pretended that someone broke in. Oh, God. <laughs> because keep in mind that the, the body was also scattered with feathers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another suspect, the mafia. So Harold Christie was also friends with mobster Frank Marshall, who himself was friends with Charles Lucky Luciano. And it's said that the mafia wanted to build casinos in Nassau, but they were prevented by all these, like, restrictions about gambling and uh, also, like, construction laws. Fair. And so they came to uh, Christie, and Christie came to Harry Oaks and the Duke of Windsor to try to bypass the laws, but Harry Oaks refused to help them out with that scheme. Yeah, because he is a fine, upstanding gold gentleman. Moral gold gentleman. Uh, and <laughs> he didn't help them. So some people think that maybe the mob conspired to kill him. Oh, I'm not sold on that. Another suspect, the Duke of Windsor. The former King of England himself did not escape suspicion when one theory arose that Oakes may have discovered possible evidence of the Duke's dealing with, dealings with the Nazi party and Wenner Gren and threatened to expose the Duke as a traitor. 
Yeah, Kayla's mouth is, like, fully open. I buy this one. Yeah, so that was one theory was that the because Wenergren was a friend of Oaks and the Duke was a friend. They were all friends. And Wenergren was known to be tied to the Nazis. And so people thought he was a spy. And the fact that he was friends with the Duke of Windsor didn't look good for him. So they wonder if maybe Harry knew too much. Um, here are some things that I cannot attest to being true. I, I tried to fact check them. These are claims that come from different sources, but these are some remaining questions. The muddy footprints. Okay. Uh, apparently, Harry always slept with a revolver at his bedside, and it was missing. I, okay. I'm so stuck on not knowing what the mar- four, the the four, four puncture, marks, puncture were. marks were. I'm going to get to that, actually. Okay. Um, another question was, <clears throat> remember how I said that one person testified that Harold Christie was seen uh, standing near an unfamiliar boat in the harbor? Mm-hmm. So one theory was that maybe they were he was planning to smuggle the money out of the Bahamas. And that he had, like, contracted someone to help him do that. Another theory is that Harold Christie was having a relationship with Harry Oaks of a sexual nature. And that, oh, sorry. And that he uh, perhaps had, like, lit that fire and scattered those feathers and all that to, like, hide any evidence of, like, what had been happening that night. Because he stayed with him. And because he spent the night there. So some people are like, did they... But then why would that... So he... Some people just think that they were super close and they wonder if maybe they were, like, hiding a relationship. So he killed him? We don't know. Break up with them. Yeah. You'll both get over it. Unless he's going to ruin your reputation because it's 1940s. Oh, so it was like... Uh, wait. So he was like, I'm over it. And I can't ghost him because there's no iPhones. <laughs> So instead of just telling him that we're done and we can't talk about it to right. anyone else, I'm going to kill him poorly? I don't know. I don't I don't buy that one. Um, there's another rumor that there were three potential witnesses who were um, described as, like, they were young black men who worked, like, at the docks, basically, um, who died from drinking poisoned rum. Potential witnesses who died from drinking poison rum. That's one rumor, which is interesting because Harold Christie was a rum runner. Woof. So he could oh my potentially God, I have about that part. Oh my God. Potential witnesses. I know. That's so good. Trust me, every single sentence in this story is in here for a reason because it all comes back in the end. Um, so then later, I didn't write notes about this, but I read about it later. Alfred, like 20 years later, Alfred, Freddie, uh, Nancy's husband, claimed to have found three witnesses who disappeared, who claimed that they had seen uh, a sedan pull up to the house at whatever, 2 a.m. They saw two men get out. One of them was Harold Christie. And then they heard four gunshots. And Mm. then they saw a fire. Mm. And then they saw the men leave. So... uh, But the problem is that, you know, obviously the autopsy was so fucking botched that we don't know what those four puncture wounds were. They could have been like tiny hollow point bullets. They could have been, he could have been hit with like a blow poke. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, a it, blow book. It could have been, you saw Staircase. That was a Staircase reference. I slept through it. Oh. You don't know the blow poke from Staircase? No. Oh, no. You have to rewatch the whole thing now. Oh, there's a plane. I watched Staircase before the extended version. This is all from the original. The blow poke. But it was years ago, and now I don't remember it. Oh, I, w- I won't spoil anything, but one of the, su- like, the supposed murder weapon in one of the theories was that he hit her over the head, hit Kathleen over the head with a blow poke. What is a blow poke? Mm-hmm. It's a fireplace tool. Oh, like a... Okay, It's a yeah. poke, but it has it's hollow so that you can use it to... Uh, um, so it's like a mouth bellows slash yes. fire. Okay, yes. got it. Um, yeah, point being, the autopsy was botched, so we know that whatever it was fractured his skull, which takes quite a bit of force. Mm-hmm. We know that there were small puncture wounds. But How we small? don't know. We don't know. Because it's only described... The, the fucking pictures, they had to turn the plane around to take I'm new pictures. I'm so mad. So, fractured skull, small puncture wounds. We don't know if they're bullets. We don't know if he got hit by... We don't think it was a blunt object because they're small puncture wounds, unless it was like a bat with with screws sticking out of it, which it could have been. We don't know. What are we in, Walking Dead? No. That's a real thing, though. I don't know if I buy that. The point is that we don't know what those puncture wounds were, but we do know that he wasn't murdered in bed because yeah. of the blood. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm so angry already. I know. So, we don't know. That's it. I'm so mad at you. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mystery. I so badly want to oh, see a picture of the puncture wounds. You want me to see if I can find them? No. Harry Oaks autopsy? Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to see this. I do. Mm-hmm. No, just pictures of themselves. Mm. Whatever. Um, I quit. Podcast over. Here's the thing. Let's go back, though. A lot of people really fucking question how involved the Duke of Windsor was. So a lot of people are like, why did the Duke of Windsor cover up? Why did he do all that corrupt police bullshit, right? So one of the theories is that, I mean, one of the things is like, some people are like, look, he wanted the whole, he knew that the whole thing would be a disastrous PR nightmare regardless. So he just wanted it covered up. So that's why he hired his own investigating team. That doesn't ring true to me. That doesn't vibe with me at all. But is it possible that he and Harold Christie were in on it together because they were also friends? Is it possible that Harry was preventing them? Because here's the other thing. Harold Christie was a real estate developer. So is it Well, yeah, we have to go back to the five steps of solving a mystery. (laughs) We've done the first three. Right. Because that's just describing the mystery. Step four is who benefits? So who, I think it's got to be either the Duke of Windsor, who doesn't want to be exposed as a Nazi, Mm -hmm. or what's his name? Harold Christie. Christie, who doesn't want to pay him the money back. Yeah. And who also could... Or in conjunction with one another. Or in conjunction also with the mafia. Oh. The only, because, you know, Freddie obviously is a huge you know, suspect. But Freddie, I think, didn't really have any motivation. He didn't get along with his in-laws. No one ever does. He doesn't stand to benefit as much as the other people. But he would have inherited, like, his wife would have inherited, like, $6 million Yeah, but his wife already, she had access to the money. Yeah, true. It wasn't like he couldn't buy his <clears throat> ostrich jacket, Manafort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Right. It's true. 
He had no, like, and it's more, it complicates his life more to murder right. him and then become a suspect because obviously he was going to become a suspect. Right. Um, I guess the epilogue is that in a strange twist of events in like 1960, um, Harold Christie was knighted by the Duke of Windsor's niece uh, for something he did. And he died in like 1997. Uh, he, I guess, collapsed in the Bahamas tourism office. And die. <laughs> Which makes me wonder. It's like, Ray! <laughs> right? Uh, part of me is like, ooh, that's kind of suspicious that he, like, had, like, a stroke or a heart attack and died when he went back to the Bahamas. Was he feeling a little guilty? Here's the other thing, too. How do you not... He- I mean, it's a huge mansion, so maybe he didn't hear anything, but... It seems weird that he slept through the whole thing. And then another website, one of the websites that extolled the, the um, narrative of maybe him having an affair with Harry Oaks was like, he came in there at like the crack of dawn and was like, discovered him dead. And they were like, what were you doing there? Yeah. Why was he? It's, I, it's gotta be him. He also claimed during his, during the trial that he didn't realize he was dead at first and went in there and was like, do you want some water? And like tried patting his face with a towel and then was like, oh, he's been badly burned and is covered in feathers and bleeding from his temple. Why would you include that? Oh, also, so two other things. At the time, um, this narrative came out that the feathers were part of, like, he was like a ritual sacrifice. Again, once again, my, my mysteries always come back to this. Because there was this really easy out with, like, oh, the voodoo people of the Bahamas killed him. They came and did a ritual, and they spread feathers everywhere. Yeah, but the feathers would have been, first of all, not pillow feathers, and secondly, much more arranged. Uh, Right. Another theory is that the feathers were used also, like, in conjunction with the gasoline or bug spray as an accelerant, like, they were meant to catch faster. But here's the thing. If you're going to do that, then just wrap the body in the comforter and douse the whole thing with gasoline. What, have you never set a sim on fire by surrounding (laughs) it around the fireplace with hay barrels? Right. This also makes me think it wasn't the mob, because the mob would know better than to just light the person on fire. If you're gonna burn down the house or whatever... definitely someone who's never... Committed a murder. Murdered someone. Right. That's what I think. Or Um, ever had to think about murder in that way. Right. And I think, though, also that the Duke of Windsor would have hired someone. So wouldn't he have paid Harold Christie to do it? Yeah. I think. No, but would you, if you were a Nazi spy trying to kill your gay lover, would you hire Christie? No, I'm saying if the Duke of Windsor. Yeah. Oh. Why is Christie the person he would because hire? Because he's his most trusted confidant. Christie sounds like an idiot. But Christie owes him money, and if you offer Christie the money that he needs and say, like, kill him... Or you could just be like, kill him, and you don't have to pay him money. You don't think that like a Nazi spy would hi- a Nazi spy would hire you to kill me? You'd be the best person to kill me. You've never no, committed I a wouldn't. murder. No, I wouldn't. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I would never get away with it. I don't know. Maybe if you get, maybe he like gave him instructions, and then Christy was too stupid to like really Execute follow them? them properly. I don't know. I don't know. It was definitely one of those two, or a combination. Right. Um, and then the last thing that I didn't include in my write-up that's interesting and I have no explanation for is that in the autopsy they also discovered that he had blisters on his body that were not from the gas fire. He had Where? unexplained blisters on his body. It didn't say. There was no other information Did he have it. like heel blisters from roller skating with his boyfriend? It I don't... <laughs> 
<laughs> That's not helpful. It didn't have, there was no other information about it. What kind of, was it herpes? Was it from roller skates? Was it from new shoes? We don't know. We don't know. I know, does not make you mad? Yeah. <laughs> Kayla's just sitting full on, like, head in hands. So mad at me right now for presenting this mystery. The incompetence makes me so angry because didn't they know that in 2018 I would be mad now? Yeah, right? God. And I read like six sources, by the way. Like, this is all information that's cobbled together because none of them had the same information. It's all very convoluted. So, like, to a certain extent, the story has, the mythos of it has outpaced the fact information of it. So there was like, never any factual information because they had they to fucking the turn the plane around. Whoa. They watched the investigation and they planted a fingerprint on, at the crime scene. Also, this was another classic JonBenet thing where like they let all these people of influence from the community into the crime scene. Like people trampled all over it. And then, keep in mind, they literally planted a fingerprint on... Oh, there was another account that said that when Nancy, his daughter, showed up with her private investigator to the crime scene, they discovered the police scrubbing the Chinese screen. Stop. Oh, my God. I want to, like... <laughs> wiping the handprints off God, of it. God, that makes me so angry. And potentially, as, as we know now, planting Freddie's fingerprint. Although she had motivation to say that. Like, there's motive behind her saying that happened, whether it happened or not. But point being, the whole the thing The fact was that watched. it's believable is enough. The whole thing was botched, and and also the fucking Duke of Windsor came in there, fucking former King Edward came in there and purposely botched it, which makes me think he had something to gain. Qui bono? Qui bono? Not us. No. Isn't that so frustrating? I'm so mad. I'm so, like I'm so mad. I'm trying not to stand up right now. <laughs> I re- recommend that everyone go read about this case, and there are like multiple episodes of like crime shows about it that I think give a better picture than maybe I did but uh and there's books written about it and it's very complex and I tried to like you know like make it as infuriating as possible no I just tried to like compress it as much as possible in the time that I had to put it together but like by just giving the the information that I could discern was certainly true Maggie has split her ponytail in (laughs) half and she is pulling out both halves I'm pulling out my own (laughs) hair I'm so frustrated I love this case and I hate it. I love the twists and turns. I love that they fucking planted the fingerprint for the interrogation. And you know that's why they gave him the cup and the cigarettes. It's classic criminal minds bullshit. Oh, I'm so mad. I have to go away. (laughs) Okay. We'll be back. I'm so angry. We'll be back after (laughs) Kayla freaks out. (laughs) Hey, guys. Kayla here. I just wanted to let you know some of the fun things that we have for you on our Patreon Uh, For $1 more a month, you can become an armchair sleuth, which gets you access to some exclusive Patreon-only content. For $10 more a month, you can become a certified private eye, which will get you your very own hard copy certificate verifying your official detective status. Um, Some fun office supplies and obviously access to all of the fun content. For $30 a month, you can become an official member of Mystery Team Inc., which will get you all of these wonderful things. A Mystery Team Inc. t-shirt, a discount on all of our merch, your very own mystery solving kit, which includes a pen, notepad, a sticker, and a signature tote bag. You get a hard copy certificate verifying your official detective status. And, of course, you get access to all of our super fun 
content on our Patreon page. That's my favorite one. I want that certificate for myself. I'll become a patron. <laughs> you have a mystery for me, I hear. I do. I'll solve it. Surprise. <laughs> okay, so. Today I'm doing the mystery of the Oakville rain blobs. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready, but here we go. Okay, so. Oakville, Washington, in August 1994, had a population of 665. Around 3 a.m., it started to rain. August 6th? 7th. Oh. A police officer named David something. I forgot to include his last name. (laughs) We're a crack researcher. (laughs) I know. I'm really good at my job. Okay, so he turned on his windshield wipers and it started to smear across his windshield. So he pulled over and went to investigate and it was like tiny translucent gelatinous globs about the size of a grain of rice everywhere. Tapioca? Yes. Great. Bye. So they were the size of a grain of rice. They were like. Tell me like a tapioca factory exploded. (laughs) That's not a mystery. That's a tapioca factory (laughs) exploding. So this happened, as I tell you the rest of the story, remember that this happened six times over the course of three weeks. This was the first time. Another resident named Dottie Hearn went outside the next day, the next morning, and she like thought it was, like said it looked like hail. And she went and touched it and it felt like jello. David said, uh, okay, and then by that afternoon, David, Dottie, and a bunch of other people in the town were violently ill. David says, I was to the point where I could hardly breathe. I started to put it together that possibly whatever the substance was made me violently sick like I had never been before to the point where it totally shut me down. Sorry, what year was this? 94. Hmm... Another resident named Beverly Roberts said that everyone in town got flu-like symptoms that lasted up to three months. And several cats and dogs that came into contact with the gel died. Whoa. So Dottie came down with the same symptoms. An hour after she came down with the symptoms, her daughter, Sunny Barcliffe, found her. And she said that her mother was sprawled on the bathroom floor, conscious but very weak, and she had been vomiting, and her vision was really blurry. So she took her to the hospital. They kept her there for three days. She was treated for Meniere's disease, which is an inner ear disorder. She had extreme vertigo, dizziness, and said the room was spinning, which are all symptoms of that disease, but she also had a fever and symptoms of infection. And when she was discharged, Sunny asked the attending physician named Dr. Little what the official discharge diagnosis was, and he said, I don't know, some kind of virus. Aliens. Is it aliens? All of your mysteries are Soviet uh, experiments, and all of mine are Nazi spies. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that an accurate description yeah. of this podcast? Mm-hmm. Great. So, usually this disease is like an ongoing problem. She never had the symptoms again. Right. So that's not what it was. Yeah, it was a virus caused by blob. Mm-hmm. 
she also took when she took her mom to the hospital. She took a sample of the glob to the hospital. Smart girl. How yeah. old is she? We love Sunny. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Hero. So she gave it to Dr. Little, who examined it with a lab tech, and they found that there were human white blood cells in it. Oh, my God. That's so creepy. Mm-hmm. They then sent it to the Washington State Department of Health, where a microbiologist named Mike McDowell did some research on it. It was in a medium containment facility, and he was doing like ongoing research on it. Uh, he noted that it was teeming with two species of bacteria, one of which is found in the human digestive system. This is for sure some goddamn fucking government experiment, I think. Putting my money on that. Okay. It is unsolved, so I don't know. I know, but that's my running hypothesis. Okay. So, at some point, he drew the conclusion that the material itself, because it didn't have, like, the gel didn't have any structure. Like, it wasn't cells. They just had, it had cells in it. Right. So, he came to the conclusion that it was a, it was man-made, and it was being used as a matrix, which means that it was being, it was created as a vehicle to transport a virus or a bacteria. Flubber. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's the episode. It's flubber. Um, So he reported his findings to his supervisor. He left the lab and then he came back and it was gone. He went to his manager and he was like, where did my slime go? And they said, don't ask. Are you mad that I'm guessing... No, because we don't know. It doesn't matter. So far, it sounds to me like... Like Robin Williams was trying to bring his family together through some fun. <laughs> yes. No, it sounds like... What was that experiment they did, that they did in Vietnam where they changed the weather patterns? The, the U.S. government, and we can look this up later, but the U.S. government did an experiment in Vietnam during the Vietnam War where they, like released like they tried to change like the ions or something this in the sounds air to make rain so familiar they were trying to make rain that's happen. so it's interesting that you say that hold on oh i heard you know what you heard about it we heard about it on the last podcast on the left it's the absolutely. make mud not war absolutely it sounds like that to me it sounds like the government like made some weird substance with like white blood cells and bacteria in it and then we're like literally testing it it's like it's germ warfare that they were testing. Okay, you're done. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> okay. So McDowell said, This material, this is a quote, this material, and I have no proof one way or the other, was manufactured by someone for some purpose and for some reason, and Oakville was chosen as the test site. <gasps> this is so, why I'm not allowed to see M. Night Shyamalan movies. Because you guess them I halfway guess the through. <laughs> Are you you're like it's halfway act two and you're like this is gonna be a bad movie yeah. <laughs> every time this I get is it. gonna be disappointing I get it every one time one time M Night Shyamalan shut an elevator door on me well he tried what to. a twist <laughs> it was very rude thought you were and I didn't, on that elevator I didn't know who I was like dressed as Lana Kane at Comic Con so I was wearing six inch thigh high boots. And I had spent all day on the floor, and I had I went back to the room for alone for some reason, and I was like running for the elevator, like holding a gun, 
and he like I could see this guy hitting the door close button, and I was like, mm mm. Was I, he scared of you? I don't know. I think he just didn't want to be Did in an he elevator lean with someone. Into the <laughs> lean out of the doors and go twist. No, when he, he was just like, and he was wearing a baseball cap, whatever. And he was like hitting the button, and I stuck my gun in the door. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's terrifying. No, it had like a weapons check wrap on it, okay. and they put it so your gun looks not cool at all. Mm. They're like, what's the lamest part we could put this on? It's always, like, the very end. So it's very clearly... Yeah. So I stuck my gun in the door, and then I got in, and I was like, thank you for holding it. (laughs) You're such a bitch. And then I looked at him, and I was like, that's M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) And then I told someone that story, and they were like, you should have, like, stopped the elevator and been, like, and waited for 90 minutes and been like, this is how it felt to watch your elevator movie. (laughs) It was this bad and this uncomfortable. That's hilarious. I went to a focus group for that movie, and it was so bad that on the comment card I wrote, just don't. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're my hero. Anyway. <laughs> so, because he said that they found bacteria that lives in the human digestive system, it was initially speculated that it was human waste from an airplane that had oh. been, like, released. But... Gelatinous. The Federal Aviation Administration regulations require that the water has to be dyed blue and the gel was perfectly clear. And also, pilots aren't allowed to release it mid flight. And it's also not gel. Right. So it's not that. So, a year after Dottie got sick, she mailed a sample that she had stored in her freezer to a private research lab. And while they were analyzing it, the scientist named Tim Davis saw a eukaryotic cell. I don't know what that means. Tell me. You I don't remember that? Important. Okay. No, I remember. So the eukaryotic cells as opposed to prokaryotics. Prokaryotic cells are like simple, are a single, Is the single cell organisms. they procreate by mitosis or meiosis? Is that what it is? The difference is the complexity of the creature that it belongs to. Right. Oh, yeah, eukaryotic has... Has a nucleus. Yeah. Copy. So, that meant that it was a cell from something that had been alive. Right. At some point. Right. Multicellular organism. So, a pop... Right, it wasn't like pond scum. It wasn't pond scum. A popular theory that I don't fucking buy for one motherfucking second and neither does Sunny, (laughs) is the jellyfish theory, which postulated that because, and the Air Force admits to testing bombs off that coast at that time, but Oakville is 50 miles off the coast. Yeah. Yeah. So someone was like, what if they dropped a bomb into a school of jellyfish, and then the jellyfish exploded and went up and were evaporated into clouds, and the clouds moved over, and then they rained jellyfish on the... No. No, but that's like a not. whole thing, and the town does a jellyfish festival, whatever. It's stupid, and I don't even. There's no more time needed to be <laughs> spent on that theory. Yeah, bullshit. So the Air Force was like, "Yes, we were practicing bombing over the Pacific. We don't have any knowledge of an unknown substance or any involvement in creating or dispersing it. That's obviously not true." Um, Sonny and Dottie both said that in the days prior to the first rain, and I assume ongoing, but it doesn't really say, 
there were slow flying military bombers and helicopters over their town. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Another local independently said they let off things in the air all the time here. There's testing done all over the place. There are a lot of places you can't go into. That's the only information I have on that. Can't go into, like, shit. That's literally all I have. His name like is Maurice. Like, they have cordoned off areas? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, also, sidebar, I had a question earlier, which is, you know, that initial report from the sheriff about the rain? Was it a sheriff, or was it just a It's dude? a police officer. Yeah. What, um, he said it started raining, and, mm-hmm. like, it was smearing. So, it, it had the characteristics of rain. Right? It was falling from the sky in droplets. Right. But the windshield wipers, instead of wiping it away, were just right. mashing it on the... I'm wondering, like, that was making me question, like, was it, like, a short-term, like, explosion of something? No, it or happened. Or was it ongoing? Do we know? Like, was he driving for, like, five minutes and was like, oh, this is weird, this rain? I think the way that it was was the whole time it was raining... There were globs falling. Right. And that happened every time the globs fell. It was right. like, but it's like, you know, when you're in Hawaii and there's like a rainstorm. Yeah. And you like pass Or like when you're it. in the Pacific Northwest and there's a rainstorm. Right. It's that. Right. It's that kind of rainstorm, but there were gel blobs in the rain. Okay. I don't know if there was also water. Okay. I don't know. It must have, there must have been also water. I'm not sure. There's not a lot of information. I don't think there must have been. There's not a lot of information. But all the reports of the eyewitnesses and the locals say, like, it was everywhere where it rained, quote-unquote, there were globs. Okay. Um, I found what the, this website, and this is why I <laughs> sure. really like this story, because yeah. there was, like, a WordPress article about it, and I was like, I'll read this because, like, maybe it's dumb and they have some good quotes. And then they were like, oh, by the way, if you don't believe us, we literally talked to Sonny Barcliffe. And then they included a, like, six-paragraph direct quote from her about all of this. And then in the comments, there was someone without a picture that said Sonny Barcliffe. And she was like, hey, um, first of all, you said I'm a he in this article, but I'm a she. And secondly, um, here was, like, another like spark notes of my account of what happened and then someone was like well why don't you have a picture and then someone else was like well i'm in the military and you know you know if they were testing stuff which i think they were she probably shouldn't show her face you know were these all the same person i don't know it was wordpress okay tell me everything (laughs) and then the last thing this is the last thing i have is that beverly roberts who was mentioned at the beginning of the story said quote Maybe we were a biological experiment of some kind. A small one, maybe just to get people a little bit sick to find out, say, if an enemy did come over here with a biological bomb or something and dropped it, maybe it was just a test run to see what would happen. Hmm. That's the end. That's the end. That's all I have. It's, like, probably testing. Yeah. Can I give a theory? I think it's chemical weapon, weapon testing. But I don't think that it was a test about how we would react. I think it was a test of using that. This is what I think. How widespread it could go. Well, I think that it was probably like, yeah, like to an extent, like a microcosm. Mm -hmm. The test was a microcosm. So it was probably. If we take one helicopter with with one one, virus in one small town. And one milliliter Mm -hmm. of 
that bacteria and that virus mm-hmm. as opposed to five helicopters with five milliliters. Yeah, like if like how because you know, for example, Sunny Barcliff's mother, what was her name? Dottie. Dottie. So Dottie got sick, but she recovered. So like mm-hmm. that makes me think like it wasn't like a big dose of whatever. And they weren't trying to kill anyone. Right. They so just wanted to see what they could do. Who yeah, who would catch it? Mm-hmm. How much of the population would catch it? Right. That's what I mean. And in a small town like Oakville, where nobody knows what Oakville is, right. it's contained, and nobody actually gets it. It's just, like, yeah. creepy. It's super creepy. I think it was definitely a chemical weapons test. Yeah. It wasn't fucking jellyfish. And it was the 90s, so what was going on? It was 94? Mm-hmm. So this is during the proxy war? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was a, a a fucking 1990s chemical weapons test about, yeah. like, the fucking war that we were fighting. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it got humans sick and killed animals. <sighs> I also think that there's a possibility that we use those weapons later on and we just don't know about it. Not to go into, like, conspiracy theory territory, but, oh, like... Oh, there is every possibility that any conspiracy that you know. can think of... There's a lot that we don't know, and I don't... I, like, I think that if we have a record that... It was tested here. If it was, mo- you know, maybe they didn't use it because it wasn't effective enough. But I think yeah. it was definitely the government. That's what it is. Your mysteries are always the government, mm-hmm. and mine are always. And you know what's funny is Nazis. The other one that I was considering doing was an NWO mystery, and I'm always I was like I can't do another NWO. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll do no that more New World Order. in, like, two weeks or something. I kind of love Blobrain, though. I love Blobrain. Oh, also, side note, there's this picture. Like, if you Google Oakville Blobrain in any mixture of those words, there's a picture that comes up of, like, two hands holding a blob of clear liquid with what looks like seeds in it. That's not the blob brain. That's salamander salamander eggs. Okay. And Sunny is very angry about Good it. Good to know. <laughs> Wait, will you remind me what state this is in? Washington. Washington. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Yeah. This is West Coast. hmm Yeah, they oh. were bombing over the Pacific. Right. That's interesting. Ooh. And they admit to doing the bomb tests. Yeah. They're like a little bit away from Olympia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of. But isolated. then look from the coast to there's like two coastal towns. But also and then, like, they're nothing. right over. They're right next to the Capitol State Forest, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder if it was like a fucking Delatov Pass thing. Yeah, it's a small town of six hundred people. If At something the edge happened, of a giant national park. If something happened, they could have been like the water. Like <laughs> yeah. they could have said anything, and if yeah. it was a small enough amount of people that they could have just killed That's them. Super interesting. Yeah, government testing. Government fucking testing. That's what it is. Thank God we live in L.A. No one's ever going to government test in L.A. Except for the water, which they're still doing. What? (laughs) kidding. (laughs) Don't. Except for the Modelo. (laughs) Glug, glug, glug. Article is an online-only furniture surreal. (laughs) (laughs) We just cut to commercial. (laughs) It's live. Suddenly our podcast is live, and whenever I say something that offends a brand, it just cuts to commercial. Squarespace is an (laughs) easy-to-use... Yeah. Uh, good gag. We should do that in person. Like okay. if you're if we're at a the bar and some guy's talking to us and we're like 
Casper mattresses yeah. are obsessively yeah. engineered. <laughs> uh, did I tell you that the other day at, when I was working as bartending and uh, this this guy and his girlfriend or friend, they were super cool, but we hadn't talked much. Like I had been giving them their drinks and that was pretty much the extent of the interaction, but um, he, he was paying in cash and I, he like ordered something else in addition to the normal thing. And I turned around and I was like, 1971. As that's like what he owes, and I went, great year. And then he went, I don't think you were alive, and I called bullshit, and I just walked away. And when I came back, he and his girlfriend or friend were like, you should say that, but about every amount, any time that you yeah, demand that from someone. That's our joke. And then what you should do is, if it's like 2025 or whatever, you should be like, ah, oh, the year we discovered cancer. And then look at the person <laughs> and like... Slowly back away you mean and the not year say we, anything. Like cured cancer. Yeah. Oh, did I say discovered? Yeah. Oh yeah. You should be like, ah, oh, the year we cured cancer, and then like give a look and like just walk away without saying anything. <gasps> and I was like, what I should start doing is being like, that'll be like twenty twenty five, and then like look at my watch and go, we have to go back or like something <laughs> like that. Like start doing like future jokes, like jokes about I being a time do traveler. So many time traveler jokes. I think that's going to be our new thing. Anytime we charge someone for anything. Mm-hmm. We'll be like, that's going to be 1564, the year my mom was born. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of theirs (laughs) that we made a joke about was it was like 15 something something, uh, like 1560 or something. Oh, no. What was it? No, it was it it was the one beer. It was like six. It was like six. Oh, six. I was like, that'll be like six. I was like, that'll be like six seventy five or whatever. And then they were like, great year. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Normans were everywhere. Because that's, like, right after the Norman invasion. and oh, so funny. And they, that was what prompted it. They fucking lost it when I made the Norman invasion joke. God. So I think we have to start doing that now, right? Like, every time that we charge someone, we'll be like, that'll be 1755. Uh, uh, if only my lover hadn't died that year. Like, whatever, you know, like, whatever. I had so much fun that summer. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, 2160. The year that we that Donald Trump's head was finally assassinated oh my God. after two hundred years of monarchy. Future, future <gasps> joke. That'll be twenty two seventy five. Oh, that's the year I die. Oh, <laughs> I want to start doing that. That's so good. That's really funny. Who is it? I think Chelsea Peretti has some joke that I just thought of. Give me one second. Where she talks about. Technical difficulties. What is it that I'm thinking of? I just thought of it. I don't know. I'm singing you an interim song. Well, I can't think of you singing technical difficulties. Well, I can't think of it. Good job. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to start saying that all the time. That's so funny. God, that was such a good summer. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. It was so cold that year. The other day, <laughs> like really benign, yeah. like a little quiet, not yeah. Benign. Like when I'm like, ugh, 2015 New York, like we mm. didn't even get a snow day, right? Or the other joke that we made was like, I was like, and then I checked my watch, and then they both in unison went like beep boop and started doing like <laughs> robot arms. You know, nothing is funnier to me than a well timed <laughs> beep boop. <laughs> True. <sighs> Did we do it? Do we solve all the mysteries? I mean, we said them. I don't think we solved anything no. in this episode. Well, we know. Okay, well, we know the blobs are testing. Do you know what we should do? We should get a whiteboard. <laughs> and and we should score. take a key score of how many mysteries we solve out of how many we do. Great. Right? Yeah. You want to buy a whiteboard? Yeah. 
Great. I'll go with to what money? <laughs> with all the money I don't have that I just spent. <laughs> yeah. I'm working seven shifts this week. You, can't, you don't think I can afford a whiteboard, you fool? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if you want us to have a scorekeeping whiteboard, um, donate to our Patreon, which will <laughs> hopefully be up. Oh, thank God. We're definitely going to put that as a goal. If we raise one $12.99, we, your donation of $12.99 can give two desperate podcasters one whiteboard, which will last them one year. Did I tell you, uh, I have to give this dude a shout out. I got sidetracked by a grassroots organizer outside of Gelson's oh, no. for Nature Conservancy. Which, which Gelson's? Silver Lake. Yeah. That so, sounds right. Wait, was this before I showed up? This was like yesterday. Oh, okay. So I, uh, like, I have a recurring donation to the ASPCA and one to the ACLU and, like, I Yeah, and you just upped your ASPCA. I did, as you know. <laughs> and I guilt. also sponsor a child in Colombia. Like, I, I, like I'm Is big on that. No, you're here. But I went to Colombia. <laughs> I don't think it's the same. Uh, yeah, there's one letter difference. Oh, right. Uh, I'm big on that charity game, which is why I have no money. So I donate like, you know, like 30% of everything I make to like various <laughs> charity organizations. But this grassroots organizer, organizer pulled me aside and the Nature Conservancy, they're a great organization and they're doing a lot of good work for the, um, for our oceans. And they're like sending teams in that like retrieve like, you know, several hundred pounds of plastic every day, whatever. They're great. Um, but yeah, he like caught me and I was like, uh... I already donate to, like, just started listing off <laughs> How the much six time charities. Do you have? Like, I was like, I donate to somebody. And he was like, okay, but if you could give, like, any money today. And I was like, eh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, little did I know that tonight I would have no money. But uh, the one, I have to just say that I, like, such big ups, part of the reason that I donated. I was like, yeah, I'll give, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. And he was, like, putting my name in into, like, the app that they use. And then, you know, you have to give, like, a prefix. So it's, like, like Mr. Maggie Stabile or, like, <laughs> Mrs. Maggie Stabile. And he was, like, all right, is it doctor or miss? <gasps> <laughs> I was, like... That's so hot. That's I have so to hold good. my boobs. <laughs> I was, like, oh, my God. That's so amazing. Is it... Doctor if, or miss? I was, like... If someone said that to me, I would get down on one knee immediately. I, t- I, I, t- I laughed and I said to him, I was like, that was so smooth. I really appreciate that. And you should have been like, um, it's D-U-M. <laughs> That's your suffix. Oh, fuck. You would have been doctor. Oh, right. I'm a doctor. D-U-M. Oh, not yet. But I just spent my doctorate money on a trip to Mexico. The best part is that I said to him, I was like, That's fucking great. Good on you. Because, you know, it's kind of like a good shtick. And then he was like, Well, no, but because he and I had been talking and I was explaining to him about like, things that I donate to and like plastic straws and versus like fishing blooms. Like we started talking yeah. about like plastic straws are not the enemy at this it's point. Point zero three percent. Don't let that spin you to a conservative place. Get a cool like seventy five percent of it is coming from the straw. fishing industry blooms. But which is it's definitely fishing industry big it's industry. Yeah. Right. But so I was talking to him about that. And just complaining in general about cute? the state of our... Yeah, he was super cute. What are you doing? He was, like, six feet tall. Maggie. He was, like, a beautiful black man. What are you doing? He was great. But, yeah. Why well, he was not... Because he was getting money from me, and I felt like it was an inappropriate time. But, yeah. You could have been like, here's $20. I need nine of your digits. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> I forgot how many numbers the phone number also, was. Also, you're making it sound like I'm paying for a relationship. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But anyway. A one-time fee? He had me. What I'm saying is he had me at doctor or Mrs. Or Miss. <laughs> you had me at doctor. Ooh. Why so, have they not used that in Doctor Who yet? I have to <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> Drink more. Oh, coffee. <laughs> Drink more, but like not in a context where people are forced to listen to what I have to say. <laughs> Just the regular bar where they're begging you to hear what you want to say. What Sorry, you say. Sweden. Yeah. So big ups to the dude from Nature Conservancy. Yeah. If you listen to this by I'm gonna chance. I'm going to add them on Twitter, by the way, because he's great. you just like message us. And the girls in the Silver Lake. You can email me. <laughs> Misconnections. Can we do a Misconnections corner on our podcast? <laughs> Misconnections. Me walking down the street outside of Vaughn's in Studio City in 2017. You skateboarding outside of Chipotle and making no. a sick ollie off the curb. Where's that man? He's probably my future husband. Oh my God. We have to go back. <laughs> Remember that time that it was your birthday and I showed up outside the bar and I jumped out of my Uber and pulled my sunglasses on and said, we have to go back. And then was going to finish the quote. And then that old man, not old, but like 40, like 50 year old man. No, that man is in his 70s. That man is in his 70s. He's like in his 60s. And he went in time (laughs) as an attempt to connect with us, but didn't actually quote Back to the Future. That's the kind of guy who, you know, spent that whole, that whole decade where Back to the Future was like new and hip. Just doing blow, doing in like blow Vegas. in a recording studio in Vegas, because uh-huh. he's a musician. Yeah, wow, we hang out with cool people, like each other, and that cat. Yeah, all those things are cool. <laughs> we did it. We did it. We solved the mystery. I didn't think we could do it. Oh yeah, we didn't though. We didn't solve it. <laughs> she just pulled her earphones out. It's also really hurting my. <laughs> oh, copy. Here. I guess now. So long, farewell. Oh, Peter, saying goodbye. <laughs> All right, I friends. To go and not solve mysteries. Do, 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 do. Were you just going to let me flail on that joke, or were you going to help me? No, I was going to see where that went. Fuck. Okay, friends. Buenas noches. Good night. I only speak two languages. So. Uh, we don't know. Mm-hmm. No sabemos. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, don't make me say this in Spanish. Um... I don't know how to say lane. But I don't know how to say Stay dans it. votre ligne. Stay in your line. <laughs> I could... Okay, how about... I don't... Bye. Bye. <laughs> Adios. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, or even if you didn't, you can check out patreon.com slash mysteryteaminc and check out some of the cool goodies we have for you. Anything you can donate really helps keep Mystery Team Inc. open for business and mystery solving. So make sure to head over there and check it out. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, check out our Facebook, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.